covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. Another week of actual baseball activities to talk about, which is good. Summer camp continuing on for the Brewers. We're a couple weeks out from the start of the regular season, and things are starting to feel a little closer than normal. Still not completely normal, but a little closer to normal as we're able to focus in on some of the things that are happening from a baseball standpoint. Before we get things rolling, as always, uh, a couple housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. If you do listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review, that'd be great to do, and we would uh, certainly appreciate that. Also, subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcast would be uh, great for us. And if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is to uh, get at me on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Doing something kind of a little bit different this week. This uh, podcast is going to have kind of a Brewers-Bucks feel to it. I'm bringing on Justin Garcia, who's been on the podcast before. And uh, Justin is the studio host for the Milwaukee Bucks radio network. And what we're going to be uh, doing is I I wanted to talk to him a little bit about kind of comparing what's going on in basketball to what's going on in baseball because basketball is doing their return uh, where everybody is in Orlando and it's a bubble where baseball clearly even though there's not going to be fans there is going to be traveling and things like that so I wanted to kind of compare the two things so Justin is going to join us coming up in a few moments I really got to thinking about the comparisons uh, this past week as Major League Soccer has had all kinds of issues the MLS has had two teams already drop out of the MLS's back tournament. Uh, They've had to postpone some games because uh, players have tested positive for the coronavirus. And they're in a bubble. I don't think their bubble is as tight-knit as the NBA one. But they are in a bubble in the Orlando area, and they're still having issues. And that just kind of reminds us how tough this is going to be for baseball. I think there's going to be a season. I think they're going to figure out a way to get this thing done. There's going to be positive tests, but there's going to be players available to replace other players on the roster. I don't think it's going to be a situation where there's going to be a widespread outbreak, but I could be wrong, and that doesn't mean for sure that's not going to happen. And you kind of keep asking the question, okay, so what's the number? How many guys would have to uh, test positive for the coronavirus basically in the same small time frame for something to happen to really jeopardize the season? I don't know the answer to that question. And I'm kind of, it's not something I even really want to talk about at this point. Like All we've been doing is talking about these type of issues for so long. And there's finally baseball back being played, and it's nice to actually be able to talk baseball. But for whatever reason, it just feels like in this past week, some of the biggest stories connected to baseball, uh, in addition to what I just mentioned with the MLS, and that's not directly connected to baseball, but certainly you use that as a, as a tool to kind of compare everything that's going on. But the biggest stories in baseball this week, for the most part, have been related to the coronavirus, either the issues that Major League Baseball has had with the testing, and the testing just has not done what it is supposed to do, and it seems like they're kind of getting on the right track. 
but testers were not showing up. And uh, there was a report out there that when they were flying all the various individuals who were in the Dominican Republic, uh, they flew them to the United States. They did not test them before they got on the plane. I mean, there's just a bunch of areas where seemingly Major League Baseball has dropped the ball. And then a number of individuals uh, have tested positive. Uh, The person who seemingly has had the worst reaction to it that's been at least public about it is Freddie Freeman, all-star first baseman for the Braves. We don't know when he's going to play. His teammate Nick Marcakis made the decision to opt out, specifically after having a conversation uh, with Freeman, and it it was just something that kind of opened up his eyes. Uh, Buster Posey opting out this past week. So there's a lot going on that's not – really great in terms of baseball getting all the way through the season. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I still think it's better than a 50% chance that they do find a way to complete the season. But they got to figure out a way to uh, to make sure that everybody stays vigilant. I think that's one of the most notable things that has happened so far is that the the – the serious, the, the level of seriousness that these players and everybody connected with these baseball teams, how they're handling this right now has been commendable, and everybody's got to do it. If you, if you make a mistake, if you put yourself in a position where you, you do something, and look, anybody can, can contract this thing even accidentally, even when doing everything the way you're supposed to, but if you do something you're not supposed to and you end up contracting it and it has a major impact on your team, you let down your teammates by doing something that maybe wasn't the smartest thing to do. So, unfortunately, that's going to continue to be a storyline throughout the year. Now, we'll be able to focus some more on some baseball things. And uh, The Brewers have had inter-squad scrimmages this past week. And kudos to the Brewers for streaming those uh, scrimmages at, uh, at the website, Brewers.com, and also on Facebook. This upcoming week, they're going to uh, change things up a little bit. There's actually going to be a more competitive aspect to these games. It's not going to be quite as situational as uh, games are actually going to be uh, taking place, and they are going to uh, call it the Blue and Girl, Blue and Gold World Series. It's going to be a seven-game inter-squad series that will really uh, ramp up competition, and uh, that's going to get going here this upcoming week. So we are getting closer to. Uh, to baseball and this, this uh, the blue and gold World Series, you, you get the sense that, um, you know, there's there's just going to be more substance kind of to what's going on. It's hard to really uh, evaluate these inter squad scrimmages and what's taking place. So much uh, so much of it is uh, situational, but uh, it seems everything's going to be ramped up a bit here moving forward. But as mentioned, uh, my featured guest this week, again, I wanted to compare kind of the way the Brewers and the way Major League Baseball uh, were getting ready to do their comeback to the way things are going in the NBA. So with that, we welcome in the studio host on the Milwaukee Bucks radio network. He is Justin Garcia. You can follow him on Twitter at TMJ Garcia. Justin, thanks so much for uh, the time. Really appreciate you coming on. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm all right. Um, All right, so let's get started with the NBA has pretty much everybody has gone to Orlando. There are some players and individuals who, for whatever reason, did not travel with teams, and they're still going to make their way in. The NBA went with the bubble system, whereas Major League Baseball is going to be traveling for you, how how do you feel like the two are going to compare? And is it going to be a lot different, especially when 
you consider the fact that there's going to be no traveling with basketball and all this traveling and therefore getting into possibly some high-risk situations with baseball? I guess if we're to, to believe everything that Dr. Fauci and some other experts have said, this is a good plan. There is no perfect plan. And um, I'm glad Adam Silver's, you know, in recent weeks been more uh, coming around to that line of, look, nothing we do is going to be perfect. We're just trying to find the best solution here. Um, so, you know, I had a lot of concerns initially when the plan was announced, and especially with the Disney staff members. But um, the more you've heard people talk about the plan overall and just catching the virus from person-to-person contact versus from surfaces. It's not as much of a concern to have somebody that is in quarantine coming into your room and cleaning it. It's just no contact with the Disney employees. So from the sounds of it, everything is a good plan, but you still have to be concerned when you see what's happening in Florida and when you see what's happening with MLS, which isn't taking place too far from that NBA bubble. Yeah, so there's a lot of things there. So when you let's let's get your take now on on baseball, knowing that hockey, basketball, soccer are in some version of bubbles or hub cities, and then you see baseball trying to travel. How do you evaluate the the possibility that this is going to be able to uh, actually take place? I have some concerns over that, and over especially over the NFL with. <laughs> The NFL now a plan it seemingly is possibly flying into the city of the day of a game. Um, anytime travel is involved, I, I do have a little bit of concern. And, you know, sticking with the NBA, I know they have this bubble plan. And then and we've heard, hey, next season's going to start in December. And around Christmas Day is the hope. And uh, maybe that'll be the new calendar moving forward. But I have concerns and questions over that, too, mm-hmm. of can you do that? Because what if this virus is raging even more in the fall and winter, and then you'd be asking teams to travel? Uh, It would be an exorbitant cost to go back to a bubble for your entire season. And not only that, but just if you finish the season, the two teams in the finals, mid-October, two months later, you're telling them you're starting the season again. And by the way, we have the Olympics over the summer. So I I honestly don't 2020, 21 season um, for the NBA. And, you know, it, it feels like baseball in, is kind of lumped in with NHL and NBA in that let's just get this done and let's do this before we get to the fall and winter. But once we get to the fall and winter for the seasons next year, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, I don't think anybody does. And everybody said that we were going to, it was going to be better during the summer, that, you know, just the hot weather and the sun and everything. And we're seeing in some parts of the country record cases. So I don't know. Uh, one thing we have learned about this is there's a lot of people who really don't know what they're talking about because I don't think anybody truly understands the way this virus actually works. I certainly don't. I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but. Everybody was talking about get to the summer, get to the summer, and we're seeing just spikes in certain parts of the country that are crazy. Well, and I think the dangerous part about the virus is you have a lot of people who have very large platforms that are not well-versed or overly educated on everything involved with this, that you can just cherry-pick statistics and graphs and say, look, here's what we see, and because you have a large reach – People are going to take that and run with it. And we've seen quite a few of that. 
with people we know and people nationally that that's i think one of the more discouraging things we've seen these last few months yeah it's beginning look we're, this is a baseball podcast and we've barely talked any baseball yet but it is frustrating when it's become such a political issue and you know for the people out there who are focusing on the death rates going down yeah that's a valid point it's really good to see the fact that not as many people are dying but it's also a really bad thing that a lot more people are getting this and kind of going back to sports again uh there's been some doctors out there that have said the impact that this can have on your body especially from like a cardiovascular standpoint even after you're all the way healed from it it can be a long time afterwards and they're still trying to figure out what the actual impact is so it's and let's go back to baseball here because we've seen this with mls you brought up the mls earlier and they've already had two teams that have just gotten out of the tournament uh they've had to postpone a number of games and but they've got time on their side because their group play stage is lasting forever uh but with baseball it's an everyday thing so soccer you're in a bubble you're not in the bubble that the nba has but you're in some version of a bubble and they can't get games in and they're playing once a week or so whereas baseball you're going to have hotels you're going to have buses you're going to have airplanes you're going to have clubhouses and you're playing every day where you can't just say okay we're going to cancel today's game and tomorrow's game and the next day's game and we'll make it up some other time the baseball schedule doesn't really allow for that yeah and you know it seems like the issue with MLS, at least based off everything I've read and um, those that cover the league or cover those specific teams that have since exited, is um, they may not, they being these teams we've seen the issues with, may not have taken the pre-quarantine as seriously where, you know, it was one of the concerns we had when I, th- I think a lot of people probably had when we heard the Bucks were shutting down the practice facility is, you know, it's so imperative if you're entering the bubble, you have to quarantine before that because you can't have the virus coming with you into the bubble and then circulating around within the bubble. Uh, and, and it seems like that's what the case was with MLS. I, I, I want to say I read there was some type of team party that happened, and that's how it started to get around, that guys weren't socially distancing and weren't quarantining before entering this campus bubble that the MLS was doing, and then it just ran rampant. So, um, you know, with the NBA, we're already past that point where within the last four days, teams have arrived in Orlando, and you're starting to see tweets and Instagram posts of players in the bubble now. So we're past the point of no return. So it's just hoping that these guys did everything that was asked and expected of them. And, you know, I have to assume in all of these sports – the commissioner, the players association, all of them are having these meetings with the players and stressing just how important it is. Look, if you want to finish this season, this is on each and every one of you that we need to take this seriously and follow all of the protocols. Otherwise we're going to see what happened in the MLS happen in our sport. And my big concern is, you know, I'm not as concerned over the bubble environment. The more that I've read about it, my big concern is, what happens a month in or two months in when players are more comfortable and start to get lax and some of that social distancing and other precautions you're taking just starts to slip away? That's the potential for big problems. Yeah, and Adam Silver's even talked about that. Like they don't the NBA has admitted they, they don't know how they're gonna handle it if there is some type of outbreak inside of the bubble. For baseball, it's 
it's kind of the same. Th- Again, I keep comparing to MLS because it's really the only team sport that's going right now. If if teams have to start canceling games because of coronavirus outbreaks, I don't I don't know where you go from there. And I'm not trying to like scare people on this because I think the season's going to take place. But if all of a sudden everybody walks in one day and five or six guys have tested positive for it somehow, some way, it got into the clubhouse. What do you do at that point if you're baseball again in a schedule that just doesn't allow for many postponements? Yeah, and the advantage baseball has if we're comparing baseball and basketball is that you have that deeper roster and especially with the expanded rosters where it's not ideal. Like, let's say a superstar tests positive and you're down that player or down some of your best players in the roster. It's still not ideal, but you do have that, you know, extra minor league players in the expanded rosters. The NBA has tried that and they're allowing more leniency with the two-way players, but comparing the two, it's nowhere near close where the NBA could potentially have a huge problem if what if one team has, as you said, four or five guys, six guys test positive, there's no way around that, that you would almost have to be, you know, the team is out for two weeks. Yeah. And that's what the MLS has already experienced. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So let's say you would have been asked to go to Orlando. I saw Mark Stein tweeting today for media because they have not been getting tested and because they travel in commercially there, they have to basically be in their hotel room for two yeah. straight weeks. I don't even think they can like be in the lo- the lobby or the hallways. I think it's the actual hotel it's a room. Hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. Would you do like that's a what that's a 15 by 15 room probably 20 by 20 something like that. I mean, I know it's a Disney property, but would you do that? Would you be willing to go be in a hotel room for two weeks straight never leaving it? Um, you know, who knows? It may be bigger than my current apartment. So, um, you know, I I talked about this actually with Jason Wildy last week, and I, I kind of went back and forth where initially your reaction is, I don't think I would, just because of the fear of you see everything that's happening in Florida. But, I mean, this is a historic moment where this would be something if you could say, hey, I was a part of the bubble and I experienced it and I was able to cover a team firsthand. Um, I don't know what I would pick. I I go back and forth on it because of the uniqueness and to be a part of something that hopefully we never have to go through again on the one hand. Yes. But then, you know, just as the concerns I said of the players, I would face the same concerns myself where, you know, Malika Andrews is there now and she's started tweeting about the quarantine that you talked about. And uh, I think there's different, levels to it because i believe malika said she has to stay in a room for seven days and then uh, after those seven days there's a little more leniency but you're still staying away from people um i would have the same concerns of you know after it's been a month and a half of me going to the arena covering the team going back to my hotel room and staying in there for you know 12 14 hours Boredom is going to set in at some point. So yeah. that would be my concern is holding myself accountable. There's only so much on Netflix before you uh, before you run out of things to uh, to watch. Do you do you feel like the the shortened season is a, is a benefit, a negative, or who the heck knows when it comes to the Brewers? I, you know, I think it's who the heck knows. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm assuming you feel the same way, but it, it feels like we're going to have a weird season. Where, <laughs> yeah. I mean, 60 games is we've seen a hot start through 60 to 80 games for the Brewers, and we've seen the opposite of tailing off in the final 60. And, I mean, it's really all but, what, five to seven teams that you can throw out there and say in a 60-game sprint, they at least have a chance to reach the postseason. Yeah, anybody. And Ryan Braun said it the other day where this is going to be a year where you get into the final month of the season and nobody has been eliminated yet. It just it feels like the teams that make it to the postseason at some point of the year are going to have like a really good two-week stretch, and that's going to be the difference between them and teams that don't make it into the postseason. It's incredible how few games is really going to impact uh, if you're a postseason team or not. Yeah, and how a cold start, you know, you start one and six, it could be over already. Uh, I, I'm more, most curious, too, how stat-driven baseball is to see what happens if somebody hits 400 or what happens if somebody has an ERA under one and we have all these things that it's through 60 games and everybody's going to look back and say, well, you know, Christian Yelich hit 407, but it was only through 60 games. But we hold those individual statistics in such a high regard how are those going to be viewed if somebody hits 400 it's not legitimate it's just not in a 60 game season if somebody hits 400 that they it's not a legit 400 in my mind what what was because who was the last what was the closest was it tony gwynn back in the 90s probably i mean he got really close yeah and that was basically up until september from what i remember that it started to to dip downward, which 60 games. I mean, we've all seen guys that just come out of the gates red hot, that that's going to be the craziest part is seeing who puts up those statistical anomalies through these 60 games. In 97, Gwen hit 372. And in 94, he hit 394. I think he led the league in batting average every year from 94 to 97, going 394, 368, 358, and 372. But, yeah, I remember I remember that 97 year especially. That was one. It's I know the 372 isn't as high as the 394, but if I'm remembering things correctly, I think you're right. That was the year where he was he had it late in the year, and then it just kind of fell apart. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just – so back to the Brewers, I'm not sure what to expect. I mean, I think you and I had talked about this. My expectations for the team coming into the season were a little bit dampened. I still felt they would at least be in contention for a wild card, but, you know, some of the magic that they had in seasons past may not be there. But if anything, now this has to – rejuvenate your interest in that literally anything can happen in 60 games yeah and you know i think it's important they kind of stay in it and and i know teams aren't going to be eliminated but we're going to clearly be able to see the teams that are really in it and not in it joel sherman of the new york post wrote an article and he said that agents have kind of given him the indication that for the players who are still a little iffy on participating and they get into the season and they have to go through all these protocols and they can't go anywhere on the road. They're just stuck in their hotel room until they go to the ballpark. That if their teams fall out of contention, there's going to be guys that just say, kind of, you know, screw it. I'm done. And that's another reason to have a good start to this because then there's less of a chance of you losing guys. Yeah. And, you know, um, 
like Mike Trout saying he's going to leave to to be with his wife when she when they have their baby and, and things like that. That to that point, you know, you have a player that gets sick and it's not COVID or somebody that's expecting a child and leaves, and you have to go through some type of quarantine, whether it's seven days or what it is, before you rejoin the team. But if you know at that point you're five games out, what incentive does that player have to say? I'll sit through this and quarantine myself and then I'll come back and hopefully we can make up that ground in the final two to three weeks of the season. Yeah. Think about that with Mike Trout specifically. So he'll leave the team. He'll go be with his wife as the, as she gives birth. So that right there will probably be a, a three or four day process. And then I believe the quarantine period is two weeks. So then after that, he would have to sit out not be around his wife, not be around his newborn, also not be around his team for two straight weeks. If the Angels don't have a legit chance of making some sort of run, why would you ever even do that? Yeah, it's essentially three weeks that we're talking about where at that point you're approaching a month in a two-month sprint. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, this I don't know if you saw this from Joel Sherman. I, I find this to be really interesting. So Sherman thinks that we could possibly see kind of the opposite of service time manipulation. Teams have manipulated service time on players. He thinks we could see some players uh, manipulating service time on teams. Like you need 172 days of service time to accrue a year. And for every day this year, it's going to be worth just under three days of service time. George Springer of the Astros is at five years and 166 days. So he needs three days playing to get to, uh, to free agency. James Paxton needs seven days. Marcus Stroman needs eight. Marcus Simeon needs 19. Mookie Betts uh, needs 36. So you're dividing that by basically by three, and, and it goes beyond that. I'm really curious, after all these years, of teams messing with service time for players and holding them down for a month, whether or not we're going to see some players play just for a few weeks, a few days, and then get out of there. My how the tables have turned. Yeah. Right? It'd be pretty incredible. I mean, I, I, think, I think the other thing that's going to be interesting about, about this season is how – the league is basically able to float out some some tests with the whole DH thing. So uh, it's what probably a fifty fifty split whether or not you want that in the NL. And I mean now you're getting baseball, so this comes with it that it's going to be a sixty game feeling out process. Where by the time next season comes around and we have universal DH going forward, you're going to be used to it from these sixty games, or you didn't care as much because at least you got baseball that it may be a non-issue. You think I think we will never see National League rules again. I think next year they'll agree yes. to something and they'll go universal DH. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. What about the runner on second in extra innings? I, I feel like if not some if, if not that exact rule, something similar will remain in place. That I think we're also gone from just the old extra innings that you and I from my time and your current time at Brewers extra innings both love with the potential for a Sunday afternoon 17 inning affair my favorite one was the night where uh I think it was Andy Grammer was doing a post-game concert (laughs) and the game I don't remember how many innings it went but it was 
it was for a while. I feel like it was a 12, 13, 14 inning affair. And all I could imagine is Andy Grammer sitting downstairs in some sort of room at Miller Park, literally doing nothing but watch a baseball game between two teams that he probably could not care less about. Teams, a chance to do this in 15 minutes. It could be another hour. Yeah. Um, I, but you know what? Uh, on the other, like, I, we laugh about that. But one of the one of the things about baseball is the just the idea that there's no clock on it, and that does include extra innings. And I don't particularly love the from a uh, from a standpoint of not wanting to be hosting a post game show at three o'clock in the morning. I love that, but from a baseball standpoint, I don't I don't love the idea of forcing games to be finished a little sooner by putting a runner on at second. I don't love it. I, I mean, I'm more of a, a, a purist, too, where I don't love the universal DH because I love the strategy of the National League yeah. and figuring out when is too early to pull a guy or did you pull him too late and can I have this pitcher go another inning even though he has to hit. Um, but I think, and you and I have talked about this before, too, of all the rules, I, I will accept a universal DH. If you want to do things like a runner on second base, fine. The whole pitcher and the batter count thing where you have to face at least three batters is the one that just drives me the most crazy and up the wall. I especially don't like that because the the loogie, the lefty one out guy, is gone. Like that's it's not a position now. in baseball anymore. And there's there's a lot of left handed relief pitchers that have gone to forty years of age, you know, just being that guy, you can go get out the top left hand and there's there's something special about those moments late in games where you got the top left-handed slugger for a team coming up to the plate. It's a one-run game with a couple runners on, and out comes your lefty stud out of the bullpen to face this one guy. Those are great moments, and those moments are not going to happen as often anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's of all the rules, that's, that's the one that I'm just going to have the hardest time adjusting to. I was surprised they didn't push forward with the pitch clock. It's something I know Manford wants. I my I think my last two years broadcasting AAA baseball, we had the pitch clock. Just it doesn't it doesn't impact anything. Like it doesn't the flow of the game, the feel of the game, it does not impact it. I more often than not I forgot that it was even there. I don't think I ever saw a pitcher get dinged for not getting through the like it's I don't understand why people are so against it because if you go experience a game where it's there, all it does is kind of forces some flow to the game. It doesn't actually change the game, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I remember you and I talking about that, and I guess maybe I'm not I'm naive, but the whole what we just complained about with a mandatory of three batters that a pitcher has to face, and that's being done in an effort to speed up the game. Uh, that's you know going to impact what maybe 15 20 percent of those situations where it's not every single game and sure you've had managers that really go to the excess on there tony la Russa being one of them uh but you know in blowouts that's not going to come into play it's just those situations where you basically you get to the sixth through eighth inning and it's a one or two run game well, Joe Madden would have the pitcher go play left field and would have, you know, the right fielder or have the right-hander or the left-hander alternate spots. And what always frustrated me about that was a pitcher would pitch 
would go out to the outfield and would come back to pitch, and he would be allowed to throw warm-up pitches for his second time coming out. That never made any sense to me. Just you, You've already warmed up. Get, this is not a pitching change. You're just it's a it's a position change. I mean, Joe Madden's a genius. So, oh yeah. All right. Um, I'll get you out of here with this. Ryan Braun basically indicated that he's looking to extend his career beyond this year. Back at the. Uh, Brewers on deck event. He was talking about this maybe being his final year and now 60 game schedule, everything. Probably the universal DH beyond this year. He sees that he could have some more time left. What What is a reasonable expectation for years left for Ryan Braun? Um, productive years? Yeah. You're saying? Or just, um, you know, I think, what, this year and maybe one more where you would feel, in the case of the Brewers, you would feel comfortable with Ryan Braun as a somewhat everyday player, given the universal DH. But once you get past that, um, then it's, you know, he, he's he's going to be what he is. And that he's, at this stage in his career even, he's not an everyday player. When I said somewhat everyday, I'm thinking, you know, you play him four days a week. Um, I would be open to, and look, I have long been one of the biggest Ryan Braun defenders, especially the contract, which it's laughable now to think back to people criticizing that contract. When you just look at the value, look at the numbers and look at some of the other contracts that have been doled out in the last two to three years. Um, And, you know, I think this whole universal DH thing, if nothing else gave or gives Ryan Braun the opportunity to go out on better terms instead of just a shortened 60 game season. And that would be it. And the Brewers move on because if there was no universal DH, I wouldn't be hard pressed to point to how it would be financially beneficial to the Brewers to bring him back. But now that it looks like that's going to be the case moving forward, you can justify giving Ryan Braun another year or, you know, depending on what the financials are possibly two, and saying, this is how we would like you to finish out your career. Yeah, and he's close with the Atanasios, the entire family, not just Mark. And I mean, it it feels like for everything that's gone on his career, and we don't need clearly don't need to go into that. The idea that he could play with the Brewers and finish with the Brewers that would I, that would feel better to me than him trying to go to the American League if the DH rule was only over there, whatever it might be, go to another team, even go to the Dodgers, it, giving him an opportunity to end, like you said, on your on his terms, but still be a Brewer seems like the best possible f- finish to his career. Yeah, and, I, and I've long gotten the sense that, you know, it, it's not just lip service, that that is actually very important to him, that he would like to say, I came up through the Brewers organization, and I remained a Brewer. That's the only team I have ever played for. Justin, good stuff. Uh, we got Bucks basketball here in uh, in just a few weeks. Or what's that? Uh, is it odd? I mean, how odd is it for you? I know how odd it is for me going into baseball season, but at least it is still baseball season. You're going into bas- basketball season, basketball postseason. It's like it's just. And by the way, one basketball. I hate that. So teams are there, they're going to practice, then three scrimmages, then eight regular season games, then there's potentially going to be a play-in tournament for the eight seed, depending on what happens there, and then you get into the postseason. It really seems like they could have got into the postseason a little quicker than they're doing. 
Yeah, I, I mean that's another strike against if if, if we wanted to bring that, and especially once you saw what was happening in Florida, I think all of us said, "What are we doing? Like, just start the playoffs with these eight teams." Um, kind of similar to what we talked about with the Universal DH and baseball using this as basically their test balloon. I think that's what we're seeing with this as well for Adam Silver and the rest of the league. If they really want to do some type of play-in tournament or a mid-season tournament, they've talked about that for years. They talk about what some of the soccer federations and leagues do internationally, and they would like to do something similar. So this just gives them uh, the perfect test situation to try that out. I just don't think we're going to see it. I don't think either team in the East or West is going to get to within uh, the striking distance, what, two games I think that you need to set that up. So, uh, And then if that's the case, you wonder, well, what do we do this for? Right. The extra teams. Uh, in the case of the Bucks, I mean, I expect this to basically be 12 games of preseason basketball in that they really have nothing to play for in these eight games. They would have to go 0 and 8 and the Raptors go 7 and 1 for them to lose home court advantage and it looks like they're going to get the Brooklyn Nets which you know we just saw they signed Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley and who knows who's who else is going to be on that team so I still expect a sweep there and the ability to rest guys like Giannis and Chris Middleton and use those eight games and maybe part of these playoff games as just an extended preseason to get all of your rotation in and and into game shape and work out that chemistry and then hit the ground running in the second round because it's going to be much different than last year where we still don't know how it's going to shake out, but really every team but the Indiana Pacers could give the Bucks fits in the second round and in the conference championship and hopefully moving into the NBA Finals. Two things. A, I'm excited to see Michael Beasley play. And I know you're a. Well, you're, you saw you, you saw he's suspended, though, right? No, I didn't see so, that. So, so he has to sit out the first five of the eight regular season games. I did not see that. That makes me. What's the suspension for? Uh oh, boy. I I want to say it was PED related. Okay. Um, my other thing is I really want to see the Trailblazers be close enough to the eight spot to force the play-in tournament i want to see what the trailblazers can do yeah i mean uh, look i would like to see this play-in tournament just to see what it looks like because it like i said it feels like it's something we're going to get moving forward if not next year within a couple of years um i i just i don't know i just don't think we're gonna see it this year fair enough justin thank you so much for your time you bet matt and that is Justin Garcia from the Bucks Radio Network. Appreciate him taking uh, some time as uh, we tried to kind of compare a bit what's going on in the NBA and what's going on in Major League Baseball. So uh, good stuff from him, and uh, we certainly do appreciate him uh, taking a moment or so. We're getting closer to the Bucks being back. We're close to the Brewers being back. It's, it's going to be a great time uh, at WTMJ when you consider uh, Bucks and Brewers are going to be playing a lot uh, at the same time or in the same kind of uh, time frame and of course we're not that far out from the NFL season as well and we don't know what that's going to look like in terms of preseason or anything else or if they may delay the start of the season who knows 
what's going to happen. But there should be, as long as nothing goes terribly wrong, and I guess that's a big if, uh, we should be uh, at a place where uh, sports kind of gets back onto something close to a, uh, a normal calendar. But who knows if that's actually going to happen. Thank you so much for being tuned in. Certainly appreciate it. We look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.